This is a Soulfire production. You're listening to the Simply Be podcast, episode number 136. Well, hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to a very, very, very special episode of the Simply Be podcast. It is my deepest honor, greatest privilege, absolute blessing, and sheer excitement to bring Marianne Williamson onto my show today. If you follow my work, you know that I am all about being yourself, living your authentic truth, and embodying your unique gifts and radiating them out into the world in the way that only you can so that you can make a difference during your time here on this planet. And uh, Marian Williamson is essentially the, the OG when it comes to that effort. She is the godmother of divine feminine spirituality, in my view, and she is an absolute American icon. And before I get into my conversation with her today and just give you a quick preview of what it is that we did talk about, I want to share how this interview came to be in the very first place. Because I think in and of itself, it is a a message and a lesson and a metaphor for what we're going to talk about today. And and also, I think the, the through line in both of our work. So I turned 40 over the summer, as you probably know, if you've been following me. And I took myself on a solo trip to Ojai, California for six days as a birthday present to myself. And Right before I left for that trip, I picked up Marianne Williamson's book, of which she's written 14, but I chose to read A Woman's Worth, which was a recommendation from a friend of mine. And it was this tiny little thin book. And I was like, I'll I'll read this in six days. So I brought it to Ojai with me and I, I savored that book word by word, page by page, that book is one of the few books I can say that has absolutely changed my entire life. We all read a lot of incredible books. Hopefully you've read mine. And yet there are just a few that really just in the most beautiful way, knock you on your ass and open up your heart and crack open your soul. And that's what this book did for me. And and so I was reading A Woman's Worth, Six Days in Ojai, while I was completely off email, completely off Instagram, completely disconnected really from my entire everyday life. And in my state of being, no doing, I was in this energy of nature and I intentionally brought really flowy dresses when I was out there. And I was just really relishing in my own divine feminine frequency. And I had never felt so clear and honestly blissful while I was reading Marianne Williamson's book in, in Ojai, California, a very spiritual, clear space in the country. And I didn't post anything on Instagram, not, not even a single story until the day that I left, I was at LAX flying home, killing some time before I got on my plane. And I decided to upload some pictures and content that I'd taken while I was in Ojai for the last week. And I shared a picture of the book that I had been reading by Marianne Williamson and I tagged her, uploaded the stories and within about an hour less than 
I got a direct message on Instagram from Marianne Williamson's Instagram account saying, hi, Jessica, this is Marianne's team. Thank you so much for the post. We would love to learn more about your podcast. And here we are. And I share that story to emphasize the power of what opens up for us when we stop doing, when we stop chasing, when we stop hustling, and instead be, allow, open, surrender, let go, trust all of the energies of the feminine. I could never have even imagined hustling to get Marianne Williamson on my podcast in the first place. It was a dream so beyond my imagination. And when I allowed myself to really let go and disconnect from my vibration of doing, it came to me instead. And that's hard work to practice that in our everyday busy lives. It's a lot easier to do that when you're on vacation in Ohio. I get that. But lately, I've been really becoming far more conscious and aware of when I click into that doing, chasing, hustle vibration and what happens that day or in that moment versus when I really allow it all to unfold and lean back and to be in full faith and trust and surrender to the goddess. <laughs> it's a different day. It's a different experience and different opportunities reveal themselves. Case in point, my conversation with Marianne Williamson. Speaking of the goddess, we talk a lot about that. We talk about what it means to build an authentic platform, to truly be yourself, to be in alignment with your own values and integrity. We talk about what goddess time is all about. We talk about her spark her impetus to run for president of the United States of America, which she did in 2020. And we really dive into this conversation of doing versus being and to hear it straight from her was honestly one of the greatest gifts of my life, this conversation. I want to just give a quick shout out if you're into her work, and I'm assuming that you are, you want to sign up for her Substack. She just launched MarianneWilliamson.substack.com and the Transform podcast. And when you subscribe to her Substack, as I have, you get exclusive daily content from her. She sends out a morning meditation each and every morning. It's unbelievable. Two minutes just to have her words in your ears and these beautiful newsletters where she's really addressing what's going on in the world right now from this state of love and consciousness and healing and really leaning in and, and doing something about it. I'm just such a fan of her Substack. I feel so grateful that she, that she shares this content. And so I definitely recommend you checking out her Substack. And if you're even unclear about who Marianne Williamson is, as I've just, you know, gushed about this incredible woman that has come onto this show today, I, I should just give you a bit of background, I guess. I mean, she does kind of go without saying, but she is a best-selling author a political activist, and a spiritual thought leader. For over three decades, she has been a leading voice in the spiritual and religiously progressive circles. 
She's the author of 14 books, four of which have been number one New York Times bestsellers. And a quote from the mega bestseller, A Return to Love, which is an incredible book. You should all pick that one up. Is a very famous quote that I believe you might have heard of. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it because it really is the apex of of her work and honestly mine as well. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. She also ran for president against Donald Trump. And today she's on my show. I want to say that it is unreal, but it's totally believable. In fact. And above all, an affirmation of what's possible when we stop the doing and we start simply being. So without further ado, here's my interview with the tremendous Marian Williamson. In this book, A Woman's Worth, Marianne, you talk about the heart being the real womb of a woman. And I don't have children. I don't know if I will. And I see myself as a, a mother of a lot of things. And it really, I've been doing that work myself with my coach for quite some time. And so I loved that you said this. And so what do you feel in what the world is calling on women right now to be birthing? The birth process that is so necessary now is a call not only to women, but also to men. In order for the human race to continue, obviously there have to be enough young people of childbearing age, for the women childbearing age, to continue to have children, obviously. But in order for the world to survive, we need to do more than produce more children. We need to produce more wisdom. And that has to do with what comes from your heart, what comes from your consciousness. And so no matter what age a woman is, and for that matter, no matter what age a man is, that place of conception, you know, that's the entire idea of divinely conceived, uh, that the human heart becomes feminine to the spirit of God that impregnates the heart. And what emerges from that is a human being that is centered in both our divinity and our humanity. And I believe that we're living at a time of simultaneous phenomena. On one hand, in terms of the material world, we're in a death spiral. One world, one paradigm, one institutional matrix is falling apart in front of our eyes, mm -hmm. which can produce a lot of anger, a lot of fear, a lot of upset, chaos, which it obviously is. But at the same time, there's a rebirth going on. And that is what we conceive in our hearts, new ways of doing relationship, new ways of doing economics, new ways of doing agriculture, new ways of doing community, new ways of doing the world. So we are all midwifing. I think we all have to be uh, tender midwives to that which is dying as well, so that it can be a more gentle process. But we are also midwives to what comes next. And sometimes the fact that we're getting older is what gives us the capacity to be the stronger womb for what's possible because we've seen more, we've lived through more. We have the kind of experience that does give you wisdom if you're open to receiving. Beautiful. I mean, you talk about the, the goddess throughout a woman's worth. And, you know, I look at the planet right now across social, political, ecological issues, and 
it feels heavy, right? It's dark. There is a lot of darkness, I believe, you know, being shown right now across politics and spirituality and gender identity and global warming and the pandemic and cancel culture. And, you know, I really anchored in as I was reading to this definition that you made about the goddess. And I would love for your perspective on, you know, how we can find the goddess within right now. How can we bring her forward? The goddess means nothing if she's not channeled through actual women. And so the goddess is the aspect of yourself that you allow to align with the divinely feminine principles. I think first and foremost, take care of the children and take care of your home, which happens to be the planet. You know, when I was a young uh, person, my mother was very traditional in many ways. And she was always saying that a woman's main job was to take care of her family, to take care of her children, to take care of her home. And when I was younger, I thought my mother was too uncool and that I didn't want to ascribe to such what I saw as limiting beliefs. And I wanted to go out into the world and do what I considered to be more important. Decades later, I realized how right my mother had been. It's just that we realize now that when you say it's a job of a woman to take care of her children, that means everybody's children. It's the job of a woman to take care of her home. That means the home we all share, which is the earth itself. So the goddess is not only loving, nurturing, nurturing. She's also fierce. You know, in every advanced uh, mammalian species that survives and thrives, there's a common perspective. There's a common characteristic. And that is the fierce behavior of the adult female of the species when she senses that there's a threat to her cubs. Now, the way adult females and the human species are behaving, it is as though we have no proactive intent necessarily to survive. So I think that there's a fierceness to the goddess at this moment, which is a proactive demand at this point, that we take better care of the children, the future, and the earth. And um, she's no pushover, the goddess. No, she's not. She's no pushover, and neither should we be. So I want to ask, ask you a follow-up question to that, because in your book, A Woman's Worth, you, you state exactly what you just said. I loved this quote. We came to see women, usually beginning with mommy, as weak and ineffective. So we wanted to grow up and be just like daddy. And by God, that's what we became. And when I read that, Marianne, I related to that on a soul level because I'm an entrepreneur. I run a big business. I think a lot of women who are wanting to be fierce and, you know, make an impact are, are in a state of overworking and the hustle and trying to kind of keep up with the energy of potentially the patriarchy, no matter how hard we're trying not to be. And so where do we find that, that balance or how do we tap into living from that feminine state? Cause there's so much work to get done. First of all, I see now in a way that I didn't see when I was young, my mother was far from weakened and effective. The fact that she held the space through her love of her husband, through her love of her children, through her love of her home, through care, caring for all of us, it was so the opposite of weakened and ineffective. I bought into a kind of faux feminist notion that my dad, who was the one who went out there and worked, he was real power. Now, if you incarnate, of course, these days it's so fluid with binary sexuality, et cetera. But if you are a heterosexual woman, you, you incarnated this lifetime to major in feminine and major, minor in masculine. If you are a heterosexual male, you came to major in masculine, minor and feminine. I have great respect for those who, uh, who have the different, different 
elements within that. But I'm just saying in general for the heterosexuals who, of whom I'm speaking, the idea, Carl Jung uh, phrased this idea, coined the phrase father's daughter, the idea that we need to go out there and be masculine because that's our strength. And once again, that is a suppression of the feminine in the name of feminism, not realizing that our feminine within us is every bit as powerful as the masculine. Now, when you talk about women at work today, when you're at work, you're in your masculine, but that's your Athena. Let's talk about the two Greek goddesses, Athena and Aphrodite. Athena goes out there and she makes things happen. And you, the way you just described yourself, have that Athena going on. I have that Athena going on. Many of your audience have the Athena going on. The beauty of Greek goddesses is that you can allow as many into the field as you're willing to inhabit. Athena was a virgin goddess. She had it going on. She built empires, but she did not have sex. Aphrodite comes alive at night. Aphrodite is an aspect of who we are and what we want in life that is every bit as important. But one of the things that I love about so much of the brain research going on is that in the words of Pat Allen, it takes 30 minutes to transition from the masculine mode to the feminine mode. I call it goddess time. I'll give you an example of where I saw this at work in my life. I had an assistant. This was when I lived in Michigan. It was around five o'clock in the afternoon. And um, I came downstairs and I said, oh, well, you know, it's five o'clock. You should probably leave now. And she said, no, I just want to put these files together. And I said, um, well, that's great. She's such a self-starter. How wonderful. Came back 30 minutes later. She's still busy at the computer. I said, honey, it's 530, you know, time to go. She said, no, I think what I'm going to do is keep doing whatever it was she was doing. Get this ready for Thursday, whatever. And around 630, I said, you need to go. Because I wanted to claim my home for the life I wanted to have later in the evening. And that was a very different place. It would have candlelight. It would have soft music. I would have done yoga. I wanted to take a babe, uh, bubble bath. I wanted to switch into a woman who might be, who, if, if I were to remain in the same masculine mode I'd been in all day, successfully would be a failure with the man who would be there in a couple of hours. We're both, we have lost. And that's what I talk about in that book. Also, we've lost respect for the erotic. We've lost respect for the sensual juices and it, and it leaves us scarred. Mm. We have bought into this post-industrialist capitalist work, 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 work. And then we end up I have the house, I have the money, I have the business, but I kind of wanted something else too. And I think a lot of women, certainly in my generation, have the scars to prove uh, of that rather unworkable formula. And a lot of women are bringing all that back into balance. And as I said, it's the same in gay relationships as in straight relationships. That is a beautiful segue. And so my next question for you is beautiful. Thank you for sharing that you know, you use the word goddess and priestess and enchantress and cosmic queens, like throughout the book, you know, I was like, I was like vibing with you. I wrote the first one. People talk about these goddess books. Well, but then I already did. Yeah. This is my question for you is, you know, 
this was written in 1993. Like this was in my view, like a book ahead of its time because goddess and queen and priestess are like mainstream buzzwords now and like trendy. And I would love to get your, just to be frank, I consider you kind of like the godmother of, you know, divine feminine spirituality. Like it's such an incredible honor to talk to you. What is your perspective on like this movement that's happening all across like sort of the modern woman who's, you know, my age, 40 or younger today, that's, you know, buzzing about the goddess, like every day, like it's, you know, candy. I'm just interested to know your perspective on all that. Well, when my career began, even though I've always been grounded in the spiritual goddess, for instance, that was my second book. This was my only my second book. But at the time that my career started, the AIDS crisis burst onto the scene. So it wasn't even possible, even if I had wanted to, to ignore immense amounts of human suffering that were in, in, in my environment. Right. So when I thought of the goddess, I thought of taking care of AIDS patients. When I thought of the goddess, I thought of taking care of poor children. What happened, I went to Michigan for a while, and when I came back, it was so interesting. It was like I left and I came back, and this whole thing had become a major capitalist enterprise. It had become, instead of nitty-gritty, grounded, connected in all ways to the real human suffering in our midst, which is what gives it juice, it had become white bread and manicured lawns and a little too... Well, a little too capitalist for my taste. Now, don't get me wrong. Oprah had me on. (laughs) So I was very fortunate. I'm not saying I don't enjoy uh, money as much as the next person does, uh, business as much as the next person. I consider myself a businesswoman. But I grew up, both personally and professionally, at a time when it didn't come first. It came about because it didn't come first. Mm. The business was an organic outgrowth of your principles. So I have been somewhat sad to see how apolitical the whole thing has become, how women who have the most to give are so concerned about their brand protection that they won't make statements. They won't go out on the limb. They won't talk about some of the things that I believe make the goddess who she is, which do not fuck with my children. So if you, without that, it becomes too superficial for my taste. And I hope that that transition, and I see it happening. I see that transition. I certainly know many women who are talking about the goddess, who are talking about feminine spirit, you know, all of that you're, you're saying from a place that's very grounded and realize you can't leave out of the conversation racial tension. You can't leave out of the conversation police brutality. You can't leave, leave out of the conversation all the things that you yourself mentioned. So I see it happening. But when you ask me what my experience was, the arc included some years of, oh my God, what has happened here? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It absolutely Spirituality. does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it feels, I mean, we're, we're inundated, uh, you know, with, with the advent of social in a way that your generation never really had to face and to, it's, it's just correct. so much noise. And it's funny you mentioned brand because that's what I do. I run a branding agency. I run personal brands and I'm all about authenticity. And if I'm going to be, I mean, that I wrote a book, I want to send it to you, by the way. And it's the bell that I ring constantly is be yourself 
online and you will magnetize and galvanize your people. That being said, it's complex. And I'm going to speak for myself because there are, and I'd love to just ask you your advice, to be frank. I run a a very fast growing business. I employ about 20 people full time. I have large clients that are corporations and those clients feed my team. And that's who I mother, to be frank. I feel incredibly responsible and loving for my staff. And there are things that I'm afraid to talk about, Marianne, online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how I really feel about certain issues. And I feel inauthentic. And I want to, quote unquote, protect my brand. Now, I own the spiritual side very well, but I, you've talked about this a lot. I've been obviously following your work really closely, that politics and spirituality shouldn't be separated, <laughs> that they actually have everything to do with each other. And so I would love your perspective and advice for, for me and probably a lot of people who are listening on what they should do as well. Well, first of all, I honor the question and I honor the genuine um, conundrum. With some people, I don't honor it because they're not talking about losing big corporate clients that pay a 20 person staff. They're just talking about losing followers right. on their Instagram account. And there I do not have particular respect for it. In your case, I do understand what you're saying, but I also think that you can design it how you want it. And there are ethical decisions to be made, including which corporate clients you work for. There are conscious capitalists out there. I do believe that. I do believe that there are corporations that are trying to do good. But I do believe that there are corporations who would agree with you if you talk about uh, child poverty, who would agree with you if you talk about climate change, who would agree with you about some of these things. And I think there are sometimes some investigation and research that we have to do about who our clients are. Just like they have to audition you, you might want to audition them. And if you are working, I don't care who they're paying, there could be a big corporation. And I, once again, it's not that I don't honor the fact that they're paying your uh, the salaries of these people. I understand that you have a responsibility to those people. Please don't get me wrong. But I believe that there is a huge um, parting of the waters that's going on within corporate America. There are those that are protecting the status quo and those that are led by people genuinely doing what they can to disrupt the status quo because they believe that it's deadly and who recognize exactly what you're saying, even to the tune of hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars. How do we have it all? But if you decide in your mind, I want to work for the the big companies who actually would not have a problem with this, I would submit to you for everyone that you might lose because they want to keep you in a straitjacket, there are probably two others who would say, I just love her. She's just fantastic. Have you seen the way she's out there? You're so right. You're talking about not only authenticity, but alignment and integrity. I love this. And there is no authenticity without alignment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a, a quote in my book that says, what a time to be aligned. That's how my, one of my sections. That's great. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So, you know, this is not a time to pretend to ourselves. I mean, if you look for instance, the fossil fuel companies, 
Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, they're destroying the planet. Totally. If you look at the uh, military defense contractors, I'm sorry, they made $2 trillion on a war that we should have been over 10, maybe even 15 years ago. We need to stop pretending to ourselves. And then there are other corporate interests who are trying to move the ball forward for everyone. And we have a responsibility to find out who they are and to work with them. You just said the word responsibility. And I, I say that with my work in a different way, but similar mission is that we don't really have an opportunity or an option, I should say, to, to live our purpose, to, to make a difference, to use our lifetime to affect positive change. It's not like a, an option. It's actually why we're here. It's why we incarnated at this time to use our gifts and our talent and our uniqueness to move the world forward in our own right. And you have really dedicated your life to that, you know, the sense of responsibility and so much so that you ran for president of the United States of America. And I clapped for you and voted for you and like was behind you. you. No, really. Cause I read a return to love like years ago and the law of divine compensation, like you have been such a, an icon to, to me as a woman and a spiritual voice. And to see you really walk the walk was so incredibly inspiring. And I want to, I really, and, and you're still doing the work. I subscribe to your email. I want to talk to you kind of about the work you're doing like today, but before I do, I want to get back to that spark, Marianne, that moment when you decided to run for president, what, what was it? Can you take me back to that? I was sitting on my bed in New York City. I was living in New York City, middle of the day, just kind of sitting there. I wasn't, in, I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting there. I don't know why I was just sitting there. And it just dropped in. And it was startling. Of course, in miracles says that when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it might sound startling. And for a month, I was in this place. If I had would talk to you during that time, I would have said to you in a very declarative way. One of the things I say to women a lot, Jessica, is speak in declarative sentences. Don't ask for permission to say what you think. Just say what you think. So for about a month, I was, I would have told you I'm running for president. I wouldn't be asking what you thought about it. I wouldn't be worried that you didn't like the idea. I wouldn't be worried that you, I was just like, so declarative. So like I'm running for president. One month later, I went to visit a friend of mine, um, a political person in Washington, DC. I was living in New York at the time. Now, it wasn't that he was negative about it, but he just started talking about the material realities. And I crashed onto the rocks of, oh my God, who do you think you are? What are you doing? And yet what was interesting was that even though I did fall onto the rocks of material, like, oh my God, that did not disconnect me from the sense that I was doing that. So even though I think I could have done it much better, I don't regret doing it because about that, I was very clear. I just wish I'd done it better. I mean, you, I think you did it pretty beautifully. I, I think the, your thank voice you. cut through and people heard well, you. Well, thank you. I mean, I stand by everything I said. Well, in the first debate, I was nervous and I said it uh, too silly in a certain way. But in terms of what my campaign stood for, I don't regret a word. I'm very proud of it, actually. But a, a campaign, a political campaign is a business. Yeah. Oh, it's a pop-up business. Yeah. I, I, and it's a different business from other kinds of business. Although my mistake in a way was making it a different business. I should have treated it like a book tour. 
<laughs> you know what that's about. That's so mm-hmm. true. Okay. So you're in DC now and I, you are creating, I mean, a lot of content and noise. I mean, I, I'm following the the newsletters, the podcasts, the, the Instagram, you know, content. Thank you so much. It's, I mean, honestly, I'm not just saying this because I'm speaking to you, but I want women like you running the world. Like that's the future that I want to leave to my nephews and, and young people to inherit. And I try to do my part every day to make, make this world a better, more conscious and loving place. But then I witness someone like you who has really, truly put themselves out there and has dedicated every minute to it. I mean, you've been doing it your whole career, like you said at the beginning of our conversation, and this is just the next evolution. And to be frank, when I saw you were running for president, I was like, that makes sense. That makes so much sense considering who she is and where she's come from and what her whole message has always been about. And so it, it has, it has been completely in alignment for me as a supporter of you, that you, you would be doing this work. So what is the work today? Can you take me kind of through a day in the life of what you're working on right now? Well, thank you, first of all, so much for the things you said. And of course, the only difference between you and me is 29 years. I mean, it's just, you know, a matter of time. And yep. uh, I think it'll be very fascinating to see what you're doing in 25 years. I wake up in the morning and I am very clear how much mornings matter. Mm-hmm. Very clear. When you wake up in the morning is when your mind is most open to new impressions. I realize if I go first to the newspaper, first to the computer, first to social media, I will download the chaos of the world. And it will be difficult to get off that. So I'm very aware how important it is, whether I'm a student of the Course in Miracles, I do transcendental meditation. I find it very powerful. The first thing you do when you open your eyes, when you realize I'm awake, wish happiness for all living beings today and just concentrate on that even just for an instant because the the damage of this world today the chaos the pain is so great that just like when you wake up you know you take a shower you brush your teeth you take a bath you don't want to take yesterday's dirt into the day but if you don't pray or meditate have some inspirational practice candles whatever you're going to take the stress of yesterday into the day. And not only your own stress either. You're going to take the stress of everyone in Afghanistan. You're going to take the stress of everyone in Somalia. So I'm very aware of the importance of my morning. Very aware. So that's number one. There is a prayer in the Course in Miracles where a morning prayer, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom? So the Course in Miracles says that for each and every one of us, there is a highly individualized curriculum. That means situations and relationships. And the Course in Miracles says that every situation is a relationship where you have an opportunity and an invitation. Be fully present. Do the best you can to contribute to the moment. That's all there is. I mean, that's all there is. Whether I'm talking to you right now, or talking to anyone else, or doing anything else. Spirituality is the path of the heart, but it's lived moment by moment. In every given moment, the Course in Miracles says, we're making a decision. We're making it consciously, or we're making it unconsciously, but we're deciding, my heart going to be open, or is my heart going to be closed? 
And if my heart is open, miracles are going to come from this. And if my heart is closed, I will deny myself and those around me the miracles that could otherwise have happened. And there is nothing else ever going on. So my day is just like your day or anybody else's day. Uh, but I think everybody is on a spiritual path. Some people just don't know it. And everybody's circumstances and everybody's situations, everybody's relationships are made of the same stuff as everybody else's. It's the universe saying, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? You're going to open your heart, make it about what you can give, or you're going to try to get something. You're going you're to make this about making your will happen or be open to the genius of other people too. You're going to be judging and blaming other people for not giving you what you think you need, or are you going to be there to be a space where other people can shine? I mean, there are two, two emotional and psychological universes. Which one you want to go into? And that's why, you know, I think of prayer and meditation, much like yoga, just like with your physical, with your physical, whether you do yoga or whether you go to the gym, you're working on your physical muscles so you can move. With spirituality, it's, this goes to your own branding. With spirituality, you are developing your attitudinal muscles so you can just be. Non-reactive, be still and know I am. The masculine is a dynamic force. Go out and make it happen. The feminine is the spirit force. It's a magnetic force when you simply inhabit that space. Sometimes it's your power is in speaking. Sometimes your power will be in silence. Sometimes your power will be in showing up. Sometimes your power will be in standing back and letting the other person show up. But it's all from that place of, as you would say, simply being. That is my brand. That is my business. And that is my book. You, you probably like this one, Jessica. I saw a graffiti once. It said, to do is to be. Schopenhauer, to be is to do. Goethe, do, be, do, be, do, Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I love that. that. Do, be, do, be, do. I That's really what it's all about. Do, be. It's inhale, exhale, yin and yang. Sure is. Athena does. Aphrodite just kind of lies back and lets life come to her, which is so important in romantic relationships. And I think that uh, that's a juice that so many people are missing. And it's important. It's a fuel. Yeah, it sure is. And you talk about that so much in A Woman's Worth. It's, I mm. love, by the way, I love that I asked you, tell me about your day. You know, and I was expecting you to be like, well, I, you know, I, I have my morning routine and then I get to work and I do my emails and then I do my campaigning. And then I talk to, you know, I set aside time for meetings and podcasts. And it was just such a beautiful response instead of just how we show up versus what we do. And that is my brand. And also what you were saying before, otherwise it's all too hard right now. Yeah. Everybody has too many emails in their inbox. There are too many things coming in that are breaking news. You know, when I was a kid, if there was breaking news, it meant, oh my God, everybody gets around the television because it's a big deal. Today, breaking news is Justin Bieber got a DWI. You, there's no sense. You, so everything is on like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I have to see because if I don't see what the breaking news is, I'll be left out and I won't know. And then you look, that should be breaking news. So you, I think we really have to protect our nervous systems right now. Absolutely. And, you know, I have had to learn. I think we've all had to learn. If I don't answer that email right now, life will continue. If I don't answer that text right now, 
life will continue. And I know you know this as the executive in a company, the higher you get in a professional situation, the more your job is thinking about it. Yes. And if you get too involved in reacting to every little thing, then you, you find out later, Oh my God, I was so busy, but I missed the plot. And, and, and once again, that place of stillness is non-reactive. Nobody has any impulse control anymore. And that's what social media has done to us. Mm -hmm. And look at all the people whose careers have been damaged by a tweet they sent. Totally. You know, to know you don't have to, one of the earliest things I was taught in business was you don't have to speak at this meeting, Marianne. It was, I don't know if it was a lawyer or an agent said. Just, you need to know, you don't have to say anything. When I think of times, like the, probably the biggest professional mistake I ever made, it was the biggest professional mistake. I, well, two, one, because of a lack of integrity on my part and looking back, because I'd said I would do something and I didn't. And if I'd done it, it would have been an extraordinary boon, but my bad. The other one was a situation where all I had to say was, may I think about it for the weekend? Mm. In fact, that was a person to whom I could have said, could I pray about it? And they would have understood. But I was in this, got to say now. No, you don't. If you miss the power of your silence, the power of your simply being, the power of your thinking things through. We live in a society where there's so much assault by cultural chaos that our nerves are frayed. And that's your feminine power. And to, to be, and that's why that goddess time is so important. That's why candlelight is so important. That's why bubble baths are so important. That's why yoga is so important. That's why meditation is so important. Otherwise, people are just running around like chickens with their heads chopped off and sometimes even calling it success. You know what really came up for me when I turned 40 was this notion of joy. You know, I have built a business. My company is, you know, my thirties were, were a hustle and a grind. And I built this company and my twenties before that were kind of a hot mess. And now here I am at 40, I turned 40 at the end of July. And I, this word of joy came into my awareness. Like I want to enjoy it. I want to have fun. I want it to be. Thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah. It, Thank you. It was like, where has that been? Where have I been? You know? And well, the system is not set up to support your joy. The system is set up to support your productivity, but not your joy, which ultimately is a way of living. If your joy is limited, it will ultimately limit your productivity. When in July is your birthday? July 30th. Ah, so you're a Leo. Yeah. I'm July 8th. Are you? Yeah, you're we'll cancer. July, oh, mm -hmm. July babies. I love that. Speaking of, of love and joy, your, your, so I told you your book, like cracked me open and, and just changed my life. And one of my favorite quotes, I actually posted this in an Instagram caption that I think Lauren caught, but this was, I just had to reiterate your words and I'll, I want to read them back to you again here. It was one of my favorite things you said. It said joy, I'm like turning 40 and you wrote this book when you were 40 and like the alignment and, and here you are talking about joy in this way. Joy is our goal our destiny. We cannot know who we are except in joy. A joyful woman by merely being says it all. The world is terrified of joyful women. Make a stand. Be one anyway. 
What is bringing you joy right now, Marianne? You know, when you get older, it becomes a more sober joy, a quieter joy, a joy at some of the smaller things that you took for granted when you were younger. A lot of the things that bring you joy when you're younger, if you're fortunate enough to have done them, are sort of been there, done that. Yeah. Kind of some of the things I thought, oh my God, it'd be so amazing to go to so and so. Well, I've been there. Oh my God, I could go there. Well, now I'm like, yeah, I've been there. Um, but the joy issue, it's, um, I know it sounds kind of funny. You know, the Course in Miracles says your job is to be happy, the purpose of your life is to be happy. Uh, Buddha says to wish happiness for all people. The Course in Miracles says happiness is a method of conversion. But real happiness isn't based on circumstances. Real happiness, we can have the temporary adrenaline-driven happiness of, oh, I got to go there and I got to go do this. There's another kind of joy that's a quieter, more sober, I think a more mature joy that's if I can't find joy talking to you right now, then I don't really know what joy is. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm so aware what you and I have that a woman in Afghanistan does not have right now. I'm so awed by how fortunate I am to have the life and live the life that I live. And that's enough. Now, moments where there's that added love stuff and all the things in our personal relationships, of course, bring me joy. But I also know that because you can't control other people, you can't always be sure that you're going to get the hit from others and from circumstances that you might want. So you have to always be fueling the tank. Uh, maybe you can't provide for yourself the kind of excitement that maybe somebody else in the field can provide, but you can still provide the stuff of love and goodwill that is the deeper joy. This has been a joy. This has oh, been a, thank no, you. truly such a joy, such an honor such a privilege. And I know that my community is going to love this conversation. I could, I could spend all day talking to you, but you've got work to do. And I have just really, truly loved every minute of this. Thank you so much for, for being with me, for taking the time. And I always end every interview with the same question. And I'm so excited to ask this one to you. As you know, my business, my brand is Simply Be. It was inspired by a little tattoo I have on my wrist that came to me. I channeled this whole thing. And anyway, it has lots of meanings to me, but I always love to know those two words have multiple meanings and they're not just for me or my brand. They are, they're a statement. And I'd love to know what those two words simply be mean to you. You know, in the Course in Miracles, it says that at the highest level, you realize I don't have to do anything. When I think of the, you were talking before about when you uh, advise people about their branding to be authentically themselves. I've noticed when I've been dancing on the tabletop trying to impress someone, and that's not when I've impressed anyone. 
when I have tried to cover over who I really am because I thought it wasn't good enough, it never worked. But when I simply accept as a child of God, you're no better and no worse than anyone else. That every flower in the garden is beautiful. A peony happens to be gorgeous. A rose happens to be gorgeous. Violet happens to be gorgeous. The bird of paradise happens to be gorgeous. That we all happen to be gorgeous. We have a light inside us that just happens to be the power of the universe. Nothing to take personal credit for. It's just there. And when we try to dance on the tabletop, it hides the light. When you just realize that just being is your point of power. If there's something you're supposed to say, you'll know to say it. If there's something you're supposed to do, you'll know to do it, but you can't even find that guidance for what to say or do unless first you just be. And the other thing about that is the word simply. Truth is simple. The Course in Miracles says complexity is of the ego. Mm. Truth is really very simple. I'm here to love. You're here to love. You love me whether you realize it or not. I love you whether I realize it or not. The world would say a lot more than this is going on, but that's all that's going on. So to attain that simple understanding, both words are very powerful. And I don't think you can really be unless you are simply being. And you can't really be simple unless you're being. Good brand, Jessica. <laughs> Thanks, Marianne. <laughs> Very good. You know, I can't I can't take all the credit from it. It came from the universe for sure. That that those two words. As as do all good things, as do all of us. <laughs>